0: Well, good morning. Appreciate You inviting me here, and you may not know, but it was on fairly short notice. I'm kind of slow sometimes in hooking up with uh, getting things planned to be here. We came down for the Florida's Men's Conference last week, and I uh, appreciate Charles particularly for giving up his spot so that I could speak this morning. Appreciate that. <clears throat> we are going to spend some time in the Word of God, and then we will talk about Team Workers Abroad. It's always good to get into the Word to see what it has to say. As we look into it, I'm going to go into the book of Joshua. There's an interesting phrase that shows up there right at the beginning. The phrase that shows up actually about ten times uh, scattered throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Moses talking uh, to Israel talks about being strong and courageous. and That's the phrase, and he repeats it uh, two Joshua, and then God comes along and uses that phrase in Joshua. Joshua used it later as he talks with some of the people of Israel. David used it instructing uh, Solomon as how to continue on, and even Hezekiah used it one time as he sent his men out. The idea of being strong and courageous, so I want to look at that some today, but we're going to just center ourselves here, Joshua chapter 1. There's a lot of it just contained here in these three times that it is used in chapter one. So I want to pick it up at the beginning there, get this in context, of course. Uh, Joshua has now just taken over. Uh, He's going to tell us here in verse one, Moses has died. Joshua is now in charge, and God's going to speak to him. So verse one says, now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, servant, saying, So what we're going to do, we're going to jump into the middle of this, but this is God talking to Joshua, telling him to be strong and courageous. So we'll go down to verse 5, and he says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you, and I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, because." according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you, do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed. the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's the Lord encouraging Joshua to be strong and courageous. But you notice, it's not something that Joshua just is supposed to to bulk up or to decide that he is going to do something. Everything is dependent upon God for this to work out. First of all, I'd like to say it's based upon the presence of God. We go back to verse 5 as as he leads into verse 6. He says, just as I have been with you. You know, God wants fellowship. God has been wanting fellowship ever since the beginning. You remember? He was the one who would walk in the garden with Adam, who of the evening, because of Adam's sin, that there was a separation between God and man. God has wanted fellowship. God was doing the same thing with Israel when he put that tabernacle in their midst, because he wanted to be in the midst of the people, but God is so holy, and the people are so sinful, that there had to be a barrier around it. It had to be enclosed with this curtain to keep them out. There had to be a veil to keep everyone out. And only the priest could go into the first place, and only the high priest could go in uh, to the Holy of Holies, and then only once a year. We have an excellent privilege to be able to go into the very presence of God in prayer now. We're a a blessed people. But anyway, uh, God is wanting to go with us. And as we come into the the church era, he put the Holy Spirit in us. And that is a tremendous thing, too, that he has chosen to be within us. He wants to be with us, go with us everywhere we go so that we might understand how to walk with him. He tells us. He brings conviction to our lives for those things that are not right. But he provides direction so we might know where to go. he, he has a work for us, and he wants us to go out. Remember, as we were studying in Matthew, so I'll pick off that passage there, the, the very last couple of verses of Matthew, that he has sent us out into the world to make disciples. And he says, the Holy Spirit is going to go with us. One of the things over in Acts 1.8, talks about, he says, and you will be my witnesses. That was the proof that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon them. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witness. So it's very good to know, Adam, to know that the Lord is with us. He is in us, and he helps us in the things we to do in To work together, I find it interesting as we study uh, over some of the gifts that the Lord has given to us. He also gives us the Holy Spirit that we might work together as a church, as a group. So that is his fellowship he wants to do. The next thing he mentions here, that he will not fail. In other words, there is this faithfulness of the Lord. He is going to see that things are carried out. I'm going to go over to uh, 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 8. Solomon is talking as he's setting up things. Um, and actually, he's set up the tabernacle, And he has, um, well, that's my problem. I'm in 2 Kings. Try First Kings, like I said. Okay. I looked down the page, and I thought, this is not in the right place. It's just not there. <laughs> that never happens to you, but it happens to me. All right, so anyway, Solomon is giving the dedication for the temple, and he has sat down in uh, verse 54, all right, towards the end there. It says, it came about when Solomon had finished praying this entire prayer and the supplication of the Lord, which is basically all the rest of the chapter. Uh, he rose from before the altar of the Lord, kneeling on his knees with his hands pressed, spread, heavenward, he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to what he has promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promises, which he promised through Moses, his servant. And we see there, it says all his promises, all his promises, God has fulfilled all his promises up to that point. God is a faithful God. Not only that, he's rears reiterates it by saying not one word has failed of his good promise. And that I would say that, uh, in other words, one word it is the whole thing. And then we would say it was written down because Moses had given it. Moses had written it down for even uh, Solomon to read. And we have the word of God. So we too might have the word of God to teach us. And so God is a God who is not able to fail. He is the one that uh, provides us with salvation and sees that we are carried complete to the end. I always like the, the verse over in um, John 5:24 because it tells us about the salvation that goes from one end to the other. He says, you have eternal life. That's right now. You have eternal life. And you will not come into condemnation, which is the future. In other words, there is this promise for us that we will not come into condemnation. And then it says, but you have passed out of death into life. That's the past. We have time. If you have been saved, you have passed out of death into life. If you're saved right now, that has happened. So I love that verse because it it includes the whole of our life from past to present to future. And God is a God who will not fail on that. Then the other part here in verse 5, back in Joshua, is that I will not forsake you. In other words, God wants to fellowship with us. He will not fail us, but he also will not forsake us. He won't go off and leave us alone. Remember over in John chapter 1, talks about how he has made us children that we might know him. If we have believed on him, we have become his children. And so he has made us children. He isn't going to forsake us because, you know, we don't forsake our children, and he does not forsake his children. I find it interesting, too, that uh, when he talks about uh, this particular verse here, that I will not fail you or forsake you, we find that quoted over in the book of Hebrews. Interesting when it occurs, though, because it has to do when he's talking about money. Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, and right at... uh, Verse 5, he says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, so that he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Quote right out of Deuteronomy. But in this context of money, you know, sometimes we spend our lives worrying about it. This particular day and age, particularly the last year or so, you know, one of the big things to talk about is inflation. And so there's always this fear of, well, Will I be able to afford this? Well, here we have a promise from God. He will not. He will not forsake us. So we don't have to depend upon how much is in the bank or how much is in our retirement account or how many goods that we have in this world. God says he will not forsake us. God will keep us. And he will not forsake us also when it comes to the end. Because as we read our Bible, we know that we're going to come to an end but he tells us he will come and get us, and he will take us to be with him. He will not forsake us, even in the troubles that are going to come upon the world. So those are some things that we look at here based on the presence of God. He wants to be in fellowship with us. He, His presence is such that he will not fail us. He is not going to forsake us. And so, therefore, we can be strong and courageous. But more than the presence of God, we also have presence promises of God. We've talked about some of these, but look at these some more. If we get down here in verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous, but you will give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. God had made a promise, Abraham, that he was going to give him that land. Now, we look at our promises, we look out at the world today, and we say, well, they haven't got it all yet, but God is still faithful. God will see that it happens. He just didn't say when it was going to happen. There's going to be a time when it will happen. See, we look around, and you know, as you look at history, it is still unusual that there are a people known as the people of God, the Israelites, those that are Jews. They're known. There's a stigma with being a Jew, even in this day and age. But it's probably the only type of of, uh, people that, Kept separate. You know, all the others, in other words, we, we read through the Old Testament. We talk about Hittites or the Amorites. They've all disappeared. They've all been absorbed somehow or other. We are a conglomeration of people giving up where we came from, our lands and our people. But God has kept the Jewish people because he has a promise for them. And so we can depend upon that. And we are God's people. And we can depend upon that to take care of us. But then we notice down here that uh, we go down to 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. There's an interesting thing about it. God has said there are laws for us to obey. And as a result of that, there are things that we need to be doing. Now, sometimes when we read through that and we say, oh, yeah, well, he's talking about Moses' book and all the laws there. Or, or we can look at the Old Testament and say, well, that's... Uh, those are those laws for those people, but we're not in the Old Testament. Somebody that likes to count, them, count it up. There are more laws, more commandments for us to do in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? You know, we often talk, I think it's 114, I'll say as my memory gives me of the Old Testament. Well, there's over 700 in the New Testament. Well, what does they say? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do not steal, do not covet. You know, all these things are given to us that we might obey them. He says, here, be careful to do according to all the law. We need to love the Lord our God. Keep his commandments. That's a verse that i uh, are working on lately, trying to memorize amongst other things. John 14, uh, 21, I believe it is. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. There it is. We can see, we can evaluate how well we love the Lord by how well we keep his commandments. And there's a good reason to study the word of God. What are all these commandments that we should do? And not all of them are easy to do, because some would find it difficult. Remember, he is the one, you know, I'll pick on one that I think is kind of easy for us. It says, you shall not steal. And Paul tells us, the one who stole should steal no longer now. A person that is in a habit is a difficult one for him. But we have other commands. you shall not have immorality. That's a common problem in this day and age. You keep that one. So there's these things we need to keep. They may be hard to do, but we are to love the Lord with everything. Uh, I think it's over in. You see, it's in Deuteronomy. No, well, that's not right. It was David talking to, to Solomon. Uh, in Chronicles, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, strength. And then, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ quoted that, and then he added to it, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we have all of these things, some of which might be difficult to do, but there are things that he has told us we need to do. Now, the other thing we notice down here in verse 7, we have that we need to uh, do all of the work law and not to turn to the right or to the left, turn to the right or to the left. You know, sometimes we can do that. We talk about it sometimes of of falling one side of the road or the other, on the left side or the right side. But here he has said, don't turn to the right or the left. Think about those Israelites as they went through the desert. You know, they were being led by either the cloud or the pillar of fire. And one of the things I find as I look at that is just the difficulty of thinking about living in that age. You had to be prepared to go at any moment. Well, we're supposed to be that way, too. Because, you see, when it would lift up, they had to leave. They had to travel on. They didn't know when it was going to lift up. It might be at night. It might be in the daytime. And that's what we need to be. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared because, you know, we referenced it. I think it was referenced this morning already. If the Lord hasn't come, we might do something next week. The Lord may come. Are we ready for the Lord to come. Are we prepared for that? Well, don't turn to the right or left. In other words, here is a law that is given to us, the instruction that's given to us in the Word of God, but sometimes we like to veer off. Sometimes we like to do this where we disagree with something. You know, we, we give excuses. As I mentioned, uh, there's there's one over in Ephesians, 5-3, it talks about there should be no immorality amongst you, because is improper for God's holy people. But, you know, I, I would say, yeah, but I'm, you know, there's there's this reason why I need to do this. You know? Or we can go back to the the stealing. You know, we can say, well, yeah, that's fine. I, I didn't go down here and I didn't rob the nearest gas station. But how are we handling things, those of us that are in business? Do we see that we don't steal? If you remember, right, <clears throat> the other day, again, Johnny Cash used to have a song, talked about, now he went to work up in Detroit, and he figured out he could make a car. And so he would, this big lunchbox, and he would carry out this piece. And the next day he'd carry out another piece, another piece. And that's a funny song because he says, this is a 1949, 50, 51, 53 <laughs> car. <laughs> but anyway, do we take things from work? God is watching. He knows what we're doing. We need not turn from we need to not turn from his ways to the right or to the left. And again, as I mentioned, if we love him, we keep his commandments. So now we've looked at having the presence of God, sorry, promises of God. Now let's look at the precepts of God. In other words, the, the things that God has laid down. And if you go on down here to um, verse 8, is this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but shall you'll, you'll meditate on it day and night you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Well here again, he says, we need to know the Word of God. He says, it's not to depart from your mouth. In other words, you need to be able to know the Word of God, to understand it, to be able to actually just speak it, not to let it appear. From our lives. How are we doing in that? We notice here, too, that it says, you shall meditate on it day and night. All right, so that means that we need to be spending time in the Word of God. That doesn't mean you're walking around with a Bible in your hand all the time. So you need to be meditating on it, Then that means you have to know what it says. We have to think about, what did we read? Have we been reading? Are we reading this morning? Do we remember what we read? And another one is to memorize. I was challenged uh, two or three years ago now to do more memorizing back when I was first saved. I was saved as an 18-year-old at Iowa State University. A man following God came and knocked on the door where I happened to be sitting, not my door, that's God's name, getting me in that place, so that I might be into a Bible study and might hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is provided through him. But anyway, as I think back, you know, I we, we were taught to memorize scripture. And those are the easier ones, although they get a little fuzzy at times, I notice. But trying to pick up new ones. And I encourage you to encourage the young ones to do it because at my age, it's kind of like, I know this verse. I go through it. I don't know this. I go through it again. I still don't know this. And it's hard work for us old people. There's too many other things in this brain going around But still, it is a good thing because then I can think about those verses and meditate on them. And that's what he says right here. Don't let the word disappear from you. Meditate on it day and night. And that allows us to do that so we can meditate on it. And I don't know, I suspect there's enough older people in here that are a few more like me. They'll wake up in the middle of night. What do you think about? You know, I end up finally learning. It took me about 70 years to learn this. <laughs> Pray for people and to meditate on the Word of God. So, we need to memorize it. The point here is you notice that isn't the end of it. Middle of verse 8 there, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. In other words, the object is not knowledge, the object is not to get the Word of God stuck in the gray matter, the object is to get the Word of God. Carried out in our lives. We need to do things. I always liked about uh, Ezra, talks about him, that he sat down and he studied the Word of God, and he practiced the Word of God, and then he taught the Word of God. And so we need to get it in that order. We need to know the Word of God, and we need to do the Word of God, and then you can teach the Word of God. Because you now, people now know that you believe what you're saying, because you do it. So, um, we need to know the word. And then it mentions here, then you'll have success. I think somebody told me, and I believe I've checked it out, this is the only place that talks in the Bible about being successful. You want to be successful? Know the word of God. Study the word of God. Being successful isn't going out here and getting the most things, cars, boats, whatever you name it, houses. Not winning the great games, success, knowing God. And we need to be encouraged to do that. We need to have the word of God into our lives, in our homes, in our businesses, in our churches. And then we come back verse 9. The Lord will be with you wherever you go. He is, desires to be with us. He wants to be with us. We need to know the word of God. After all, it has told us that he has given us the word of God everything that we need, everything is given to us for, adic- for us to have an adequate life, for all of life and godliness. And we have to remember that the things get written down. God has written down his promises, but there's also that time of judgment when it says, the ungodly will be judged out of the books. Things are written down. The Lord keeps track of it. So we need to think about these things. Think about how we can be strong and courageous, how we can go out in God's power to be strong and courageous. Not our own strength, but God's power to be strong and courageous. And so with that, I'm going to transition over and talk about team workers abroad. i will to talk about what the Lord is doing to see if things connect. Let's see here. Let's open this up. Still don't have it. We will try. First thing is probably unplug it. Or, let me unplug it. Projector went to sleep. You stayed awake. That's good. Is it on? Not yet. So we, we, we had to work at this just trying to get it together before. It's coming. It's coming. Mm, that looks like we get out one more time. Okay. Don't worry. Technology does this to me all the time. Every once in a while, it just doesn't work like it should. It's one of those things. You know, we set this up during break and went to sleep. And I finally got my computer not to go to sleep. It used to go to sleep on me, and that would kill me, too. It, oh, yeah. I, I'm... is. It, okay, okay. <laughs> depends if I'm bright enough, but other than that, <laughs> so anyway, um, so we want to talk about teamworkers abroad, and, and it's more the idea of what is the Lord doing in other places, other countries, and this being the first time I've been here, you know, I'll tell you more about what the organization is than anything, so here's the verse we like to operate from, wait, labor is together, now, we want to work together. You, we want to work together with Christians all over the world, work with the work that the Lord is doing. And to do that, it takes a lot of different hands to accomplish that because, you see, the Lord made every one of us different, and he makes us in such a way that we all have different abilities, and yet is to be used together uh, on that. So, what is it? Teamworkers Abroad is basically an organization that we try to organize Teams of people to travel to uh, help missionaries with their building projects. And why that's so important is because, let's say, we do it, first of all, I'll mention the skilled and the unskilled part of it. In other words, anybody can go. This isn't, it's limited. It's not that we have to have skilled people because there's a lot of times we need those who are just willing to work. But also the idea of helping a missionary. In other words, missionaries are all different too. But as we look at missionaries, oftentimes, uh, you know, they're good disciples, they're, they're good evangelists, but they may not necessarily know how to build things. So here we have this evangelist goes out, all these people get one, what, what do they need? They need a building to meet in, or perhaps it's someone that needs a school, we want to come along and help them. Now the missionary learns his language, he learns the culture, he knows how to learn, work with the people we don't. In other words, we travel there, and I know you're teaching next door to Spanish. I've been in a lot of Spanish countries. I still don't know Spanish, okay? But I can go there with abilities that we can use because the missionary knows these things, and we translate back. Sometimes you want to know, all right, who is in this? As I understand, uh, Nathan DeYoung used to come here. Uh, so this is Tim, his father. Um uh, He's out of Georgia, of course. Al Coburn is up with CMML, uh, works at, out of New Jersey, and uh, works with CMML there. Uh, Justin Hill is a, well, his, his official job that he uses to make money is county treasurer in Missouri, down in, near Springfield, Missouri. But he's our treasurer. He's the guy that helps us keep track of these things. I really appreciate him. Matt Owensby is a contractor out of the middle of Iowa, and myself, my actual occupation is I used to take care of cows all the time, so I guess you could call me a cowboy Uh that 's what I used to do, so that 's what we are. so anyway, who can go with us? Well, as I mentioned, anybody skilled, unskilled, the point is you need a willing heart. This lady over here on the left, went down there, she was figuring she would cook now she's a very techy person uh, when I was in their assembly. We had more problems than we had here. <laughs> She fixed them, okay, while I was trying to preach, she was fixing these things. She went down there, and we had too many cooks, and so, not wanting to spoil the broth, she walked into where we were working on some bathrooms and said, what can I do? And we said, well, uh, we need the tile grouted." Never done it before in her life, but she was willing, sat down, and went to work, obviously an excellent job. Um, the other idea here is just anybody can go, old middle Younger, one of the first trips we were on was actually a Canadian trip because we worked together with them. Um, we had just about everything in there. In other words, this is a picture out of that. These couple late teenagers, they were 18, 19, 20. Uh, their father long, middle-aged, 40-year-old. Fell in the black shirt was, I think, in his 70s, probably middle 70s. We like to have those. What else? Well, we can have fathers and daughters go along on these trips. It's a great time to be with your children, uh, to show them another part of the world, because it'll change their life. Or here is a group, uh, except for the one guy on the, the right side, uh, that's all from one assembly. One assembly said, hey, we want to help out this missionary. We're going to send these guys down. And the real challenge out of them is they paid the way for all of the men to go. I think there was eight there one, one year. Any type of people can go. These are just a list here of the ones that are standing here in this picture. And you get anything. One, you see this medical librarian? He's a guy that stands around, or not stands. He sits in a library researching papers so that doctors can have proof that what they did was accurate so they don't get taken to the law and so forth. Or you have one of these guys was a uh, business real estate. He travels to the big cities and buys and sells buildings, big buildings, okay? One guy's a lawyer. But I had to get back from the trip to find out he was a lawyer, common old fellow. But those are the people who go along, just about anything. What do we need? Well, sometimes you just need to scoop sand because we're doing cement. Uh, sometimes you just need to move blocks. In other words, those blocks showed up on a truck, but they had to be unloaded basically two at a time. Anybody can do it. Sometimes you learn how to do a lot of things. I've learned how to mortar bricks, uh, level sand. Uh, sometimes the Lord uses skills that you have, the uh, cabinet makers this is what he did for basically his occupation was build cabinets my wife amongst other things is a seamstress and uh, so she came along and, and put up I think it was 28 windows down in the school that she covered with uh, curtains um, Masons, electricians come along, uh, people framers, uh, roofers just a little bit different than this guy was used to roofing but we. he was a roofer that was with us sometimes you need carpenters Incidentally, sometimes the question arises: How many laws do you have to obey? Well, this guy, this is Tim, actually standing here. He says, "I'm standing on a chair, and it's on top of a desk, of which the top, the desktop moves." And he says, "The other guy finally decided he had something to hold it so that it's a little sturdier." Welders. Sometimes it's just you know, a couple young gals were along, and they took the missionary kids aside, and so that missionary mother. Got a reprieve from, you know, 24-7 for a few days while we were there because they, these girls took the kids' aside, played games with them, did all sorts of things. Wonderful help. Or as my wife who went over to Serbia, and she was basically a grandmother to a bunch of kids because the wife's parents would probably never be there, wife in particular, will not fly in an airplane. His parents show up once or twice. So if you ever go to see a missionary overseas, I mean, that's not the way I want to put that. If you ever go overseas, go see a missionary. You will be such an encouragement to them. And I don't know if it comes up later here, but I had one. One of these ladies said to my wife, she says, it was so good to have you here because you think in English. Very critical thing. Okay, so what else? Well, you're often asked to preach, usually by translation. That's its own unique thing. Pray with them. Let the Lord sort out the languages. Uh, You get to spend time together with people. Uh, This was a missionary in his house. The other one there, typically a fellowship dinner as they were working. Uh, They would supply dinner every day. Um, Or, here again, just meals uh, on the work site or fellowship. Last one on the right was uh, in Chile as we were preparing to leave. They just, everybody got together. It was actually after prayer meeting, you know, we're standing around kind of, Saying goodbye to the people we knew, and you hardly noticed. They started pulling tables and chairs and food and just fellowship. Where have we been? Well, we've been scattered around, uh, actually four continents. So here's North America with uh, Mexico, uh, a couple different places there. South America, been bouncing around there a lot. Nice thing about South America is that you can get there quickly. Typically, we're going through Florida. A lot of times, you fly out of Miami to get there from kind of this half of the country. All goes. South America that way, because they are in the, you go to the west side of South America and you're in the eastern time zone, which is where you're at. we uh, have been over, I mentioned Serbia, over in Europe, and we have been down in Africa in a couple, three places. Or you throw that on a world map and say, well, we haven't gone very far in this world yet, even though we've been in some places. Some people like to have it organized as, you know, how often do you go is the typical question. Well, you take this list here and you get an average of about two. You notice you got a couple of blanks in there. Uh, Twenty-two is also a blank. Uh, we're trying to line up for twenty-three. We're working there. So what do we do? Well, we work on missionary houses uh, in a couple different places. Um, what else? Schools we go to, help them out, put in, um, frame them out with doors, windows, put a mural up for them, uh, work on camps. Remodeling them or putting on roofs. Uh, sometimes they need assembly buildings. Been working on that. This happens to be in Chile. And um, they have had a lot of changes. A lot of Venezuelans have come down there now. So some of that has been put on a pause. More church buildings over in Kenya, Zambia. And uh, Bible institutes. Uh, sometimes they need things reworked. And uh, the bottom picture there is putting in electricity uh, around the whole area. And then also you get into assemblies are being built up. This, this one on the left is a real challenge to me because uh, we helped them put in foundation. They put up the side walls. They asked us to help with the roof. A month later, is this picture taken, they had a conference. 320 people came to that conference, and they came out of the mountains. These are Aztecs. They didn't drive there. They didn't just get in a metropolis to get them. Preach the gospel, six people are saved. But also, you notice here, sometimes we think we need to have everything look perfect. That's a tarp on the floor. There are no doors, there are no windows. Haven't had time to get those in. Um, Schools are built, so people are taught the word of God in schools. Baptisms occur. You also get to know the culture. the things you can't do with this picture is to smell the marketplace. Uh, Or learn culture, Serbia. You know, we, we think of a spiritist over in Africa, you notice this is food sitting here on the gravestones in Serbia for the departed ancestors to eat. Paraguay, here's a couple, or not a young, older couple, came to us. These are very short people, very loving people. They love to hug you, which is about this tall, okay? Um, but they, they came and asked to pray with us because they understood what we had done leaving family, come down and help them. And workers, we've been working with workers. I'm sorry, I went too far there. Uh, these, these two men here, good paying job, to be elders in their assembly. So well, they were glad we came. So, the object is to ponder what the Lord would do in your life, not just what, somebody, what he can do for somebody else. So, what do we need? If you want to help out, well, pray for us. We go on these trips, pray for the organization, figure out where to go, when to go, and uh, pray for us as we go. Because there are a lot of little things, I can give you stories. I won't do it now, of watching the hand of God do work, and also uh, things happen, and they need to be prayed for. You know, we've had people fall, break bones, air flights, have been, or air, yeah, flights have been missed, so forth. Um, participate according to your abilities. You have a skill, or if you don't have a skill, say I would like to help the Lord's work in another country. Go yourself. It's great. And then pass on information. Here again, you have missionaries coming through here. Tell them they're out there. Sometimes I think missionaries don't know it because they're doing a lot of work, and they haven't heard me talk about this. You've heard it. So pass it on. Tell your favorite missionaries. Tell your unfavorite missionaries that we have. Okay. And so what do we need? We need people to go with us. We need construction leaders. You've got to have one or two on the team that knows what they're doing, and then Places to go, right? Haiti is just kind of stuck on there. Political turmoil has kept us from there. That was before COVID that uh, we were going to there. We were going to go to Israel before COVID, but that also got shut down. But that's getting back up online. Uh, we are looking at this spring, possibly helping out in Nazareth with the Emmaus worldwide uh, office and the assembly there. And Moldova, Moldova I met this fellow in October. Um, they were working with Ukrainian refugees some help there. So that's kind of what we have. So questions? Forgot to warn you that I would ask this question. <laughs> I don't cover everything. I don't tell you everything. So you likely do have questions. I do have a display here. As he mentioned, you can sign up to get a letter. We don't fill your email box very full, like two or three a year. Okay. There's information to pick up, prayer cards, whatever you'd like to do. Talk, to, talk with us. Oh, we try to make them two weeks. South America is easy to make two weeks. Africa takes three days in and three days out, and so it's probably going to be three going to someplace like that. And it is self-supporting. The other question, in other words, you, the assembly, whoever needs to come up with the money to get there. All right, how do we get the jobs? Well, to me, there's three ways, two of which probably haven't been used at all, okay? Number one is I just love to have the missionary contact me and say, I need help, okay? I don't think that one's happened yet. Second one is to have uh, an assembly like you say, you know, we support this missionary and therefore we know he has work to do and we want to help him in that, okay, because there is this need for material and supplies that we are not covering either. We are going there with expertise. So, and then the third one is I read missionary letters and therefore if they ever use the word build, I write them. Say, have you heard of us? Can we help you? That's the main, main ways we get them. A few of the, particularly at first, were just kind of personal contact. I know this missionary and he needs help. I know one time I went down, I, I heard about it. I was talking to his daughter in law on the mission field, and basically I made a point of going there to talk to him, to convince him that we needed to come. He had this concept that we were too big and too inflexible to do his work. We're not. Finances the um, missionary has to come up with money for the material. Okay, as I mentioned, we're, we're, we are bringing in expertise um, in what we say is self-supporting. In other words, you have to come up with the money. Now, we have scholarships. I mean, I'm not saying you can't, you know, if you don't have all the money, that's not a big problem. Lord, Lord's got plenty of money. <laughs> uh, we encourage the, the, the assembly behind where you are at to be involved with you. Uh, this, these are our average costs. Flight is the big thing. And you never know what this is going to be. I've been on both ends of the same trip a year apart. Five hundred, fifteen hundred. Um 1500 uh, but we but we, we call it overhead. In other words, we calculate what it's going to be for, we contact the missionary, find out what the food's going to cost. Uh, sometimes we are next to the work site, and sometimes we're not, so that's transportation. Uh, we don't want the missionary to say, boy, it sure was nice work, but we just ruined our budget. So we want to help them supply everything that we take. Water is expensive. Food, uh, gas is expensive. We think we have high gas. Go to a different country. And then we do a few other odds and ends. Missionary encouragement, just here, have some more money. You need it. You know that. So that's about where we're at. 800 for the bottom part and then whatever that flight is. And of course, they are going wild right now. All right. Don't want to hang you too long. I was asked to not take too long. These are all your questions, not my problem. <laughs> all right. So... Feel free to talk to me. Talk to my wife. She knows all about it, too. She's been on some of these trips, as you can tell. So let's close with prayer. Father, we do thank you that you are working in this world. Father, that you are working in our lives as well as many other people. Father, we would ask that you might help us to follow you in all that we do, that we might do those things that you want us to. We'd ask in Jesus' name, amen.